Area 941 podcast are produced and distributed by Community Powered 94.1 KPFA Radio. Please help support Area 941 at kpfa.org. I'm Richard Walensky. This is KPFA's Bay Area Theater podcast, featuring stage reviews, along with extended versions of interviews heard on Arts Waves on Cover to Cover. My guest is Emma Keith, who is the producer of the National Theater Live theater broadcast from London. The next NT Live production in theaters is the current revival of Stephen Sondheim's masterpiece from 1971, Follies, starring Imelda Staunton. This brilliant production puts Follies squarely, if it wasn't before, as perhaps Sondheim's greatest achievement alongside Sweeney Todd and a handful of other shows. It airs in theaters in the San Francisco Bay Area on November 16th with reprises over the course of the following week. For more details, you can go to ntlive.nationaltheater.org.uk. The Royal National Theater, the equivalent of an American nonprofit theater company like Berkeley Rep, was founded in 1963 after a century of attempts to establish a National Theater of Great Britain. Its first director was Laurence Olivier. Later directors include noted theater icons Peter Hall, Trevor Nunn, and Nicholas Heitner. The current director is Rufus Norris. The National Theater moved into its current multi-theater headquarters near Waterloo Bridge in the mid-1970s. The NT Live broadcasts began in 2009, and Emma Keith took over in 2016. Emma Keith, you've been the head of broadcasting since 2005, but you've begun at the Arts Council. What exactly is the Arts Council? So the Arts Council of England is a government-funded body that distributes public money, so taxpayers' money, to support the arts across England. So they look after all different art forms, so theatre, literature, visual art, to name just a few. They also look after museums, libraries and galleries um, across the UK. Does the National Theatre get money from the Arts Council? The National Theatre receives about 20% of our income each year comes from a grant from the Arts Council. So it's kind of similar to a non-profit getting money from the American government here. Yes, absolutely. And the National Theatre itself, I was trying to figure out what it is. It's sort of, in its form, it looks sort of like Lincoln Center, but it kind of operates like New York's public theatre. Is that correct? I think that's a really good analogy, actually. Um, we're a brutalist building built in 1976 and made out of concrete, which is treated to look like wood. So we're quite a big, imposing grey building. But absolutely, in terms of the ethos and the spirit of the organisation, we're very closely aligned to the public theatre. Oh, so you have direct connection to the public and Oscar Eustace? Yes, it's not a direct connection, but we've recently launched here in the UK a project which is called Public Acts, which will be modelling projects that the public theatre do. And the mission of both of those organisations are very similar. An Oscar was over for our press conference when we announced Public Acts recently. You also come out of digital technology. And when you came into it, the broadcast had already happened What do you exactly do with the broadcast? What is your role? 
So my role now has has changed significantly from when I first started. Um, I had joined after the broadcasts had began, as you said. And in the early days, there was just a very small team of us. There was kind of two full-time members of staff that were working on NT Live. And we're a much bigger team now. I don't have really two days that are the same in my role at all. I'm looking after programming. So which productions are we going to do? Can we secure the necessary rights? What's the contract arrangements and the deals for each of those through the production process supported by our production team so where are the outside broadcast trucks going to park which cameras are we using where are they going who's going to be the camera director and the rehearsal process so for each production we do two full camera rehearsals which are performances typically without an audience so that we can see how it's working on camera how the script is working and are there tweaks or changes that need to be made to lighting or wigs or costume and then also the live broadcast itself so making sure that that runs as smoothly as possible and we distribute out live across the UK and Europe and then time shifted so seven o'clock local time across the US and then we also send it out on a not live basis to go around the world so we go to about 60 countries in all and a number of them take it on a delayed basis my team also manage all of that we also produce um, subtitles, so you can see our productions in China with Mandarin subtitles on, and that's another element of what we look after. That's kind of quite a broad range of things, I suppose, that I do, so that's why no two days are the same. Emma Keith, let's go back to the beginning. Obviously, it becomes easier if you're dealing with actual national theater productions like mm-hmm. Follies, but if you're partnering it becomes something else again. I mean, a lot of the West End, I noticed when I was there last month, is Mm -hmm. filled with American corporate musicals. You don't want those. We try to make sure that through NT Live we're showcasing a real breadth and diversity of programming. So like you say, we do a significant number of shows here from the National Theatre. So typically we would do 12 NT Live broadcasts per year and about half of that, a little more than half of that, would come from the National Theatre and the other half would come from co-producers who we work with such as the Old Vic Theatre or the Young Vic Theatre here in London. But we also do productions from the West End as well but for us it's really about there is a real focus for us there on theatre and on drama that's not saying we don't do musicals of course with Follies coming up but there is a real focus for us on drama and I think there is such a diversity of content out there we want to make sure that we're letting our audiences in cinemas really experience the broadest possible offering and whether that's Shakespeare or classics new plays or adaptations it's really important that we have a good mix of things that we're doing. When you're figuring this out I read somewhere that for every 10 conversations you may be able to get one one project out of it is is that because of the rights Um, what 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 are some of the hang-ups that keep projects from happening? There's so many elements involved in in bringing these to fruition. So certainly rights is an area that's complex. We have a great model in place for how NT Live works, but particularly on titles where there's a film in existence, that can make things much more difficult. So rights is definitely a, a big challenge for us. Scheduling also, particularly here at the National Theatre, we have three spaces and we run a repertory system. So 
in each space, two or three productions are being staged at any one time. So just scheduling in the camera rehearsals and the broadcast night itself can be difficult, particularly if a show isn't running for a very long time. Typically here at the National, they they run for at least three months. So we can usually find a way to make it work. But scheduling is, is quite difficult. And then scheduling across the year so making sure from an NT live perspective that we don't have too many bunched together that actually they're they're nice and evenly spread across the year so that we can make sure we're really giving the focus and the attention to each of the broadcasts that we do is important so they're the the main challenges in in really making them happen and then again we've got to look at programming across the board so we don't want to just be programming Shakespeare so we want to make sure we've got that mix and that diversity which means some predictions that we do just won't be right for broadcasting for NT live One of the things we don't really consider, which people are sometimes surprised by, is what the production is going to be like. So we're never intimidated or scared off because it's going to be a big production or it's going to be challenging to film. We film productions that have been in the round. We film productions that have been in non-conventional spaces. So a couple of years ago, we did a production of Macbeth with Kenneth Branagh that was in a deconsecrated church. And so we very much embrace those challenges around the artistic interpretation of the shows. But there are definitely challenges with getting the programming. How far in advance do you schedule? Because shows sometimes, like Follies, have limited runs. And on top of that, some shows might just not work, you know, so you can't plan too far in advance. We plan I'm quite far in advance. So we know that we need to be able to get the information out to all of the cinemas across the world and let audiences know what predictions are coming up. So ideally, from our perspective, in terms of what's publicly announced and available, we're working anywhere between three and six months out. So we are often announcing productions which we don't have all of the information for. So next year, in May, we're doing a production of Macbeth, which Rufus Norris, our artistic director, is directing. And we know the two main castings, so Rory Kinnear and Anne-Marie Duff will be playing Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. And that's about all we know about that production. But it's announced and we are going to be broadcasting as part of NT Live. So sometimes we do have to make these decisions before we have a huge amount of information. But I think you can tell, You can. we speak with the director, we try to get a sense of what the production is. It's really because we've got that breadth of what we do, we are allowed to take creative risks and to programme things that perhaps people aren't going to be to everybody's tastes but that's completely okay that's part of our remit is really to make sure we're showcasing everything that the national theater does not just one section of it you don't worry about the politics of any individual show you're just going for what you think an audience might appreciate or what uh, your artistic director thinks is good yeah, absolutely. It's it's really about the audience for us and making sure we're giving them choice and giving them the broadest appeal of content. Ultimately, our artistic programming is overseen by Rufus Norris as our artistic director. So it really is driven by that rather than any individual production. This is kind of an aside question, but if Brexit comes through, does that does that create more problems for you or is that kind of irrelevant? It's difficult to know until we know exactly what the terms of Brexit are going to be, but it looks unlikely to impact on us significantly. We as the National Theatre are still very much committed to working with international artists and whoever we're working with, we hope to be able to, to broadcast as we would do normally. So we hope that the impact will be will be limited, particularly on anti-live activity. Emma Keith, let's get back to filming live theatre. It sits somewhere between film 
and showing, you know, a theater. When you're looking at filming something or broadcasting something like Follies, where material is happening all over the stage, how difficult is it to figure out the different beats, switching from one camera to another, going from long shot to close up, so that the audience feels they're in a theater, but at the same time, they're watching the equivalent of a film? Mm. It's a challenge every time. And although we've done more than 60 broadcasts now, I think each production presents its own opportunities for us to try something new. So Follies particularly is a fantastic production, but it really takes over the whole of the Olivier stage. Like you say, there's, there's something going on everywhere. There's a cast of 37. There's also 21 musicians supporting them. So we are planning for that broadcast. It's actually going to be 10 cameras that we have in the Olivier Theatre to capture that. Typically, we usually use something between six and eight cameras. So it's a big one from that perspective. But we really feel that we want to be able to capture the scale of everything that's going on and really give the best experience in the cinema. It is different watching in the cinema, like you say. It's not quite the same as watching in the house. But what we try to do is put the cameras in the best seats in the house so they don't feel like they're missing out. So we are able to use close-ups. On Follies, we'll have a crane camera so that's on a long arm which can move around and it will give us really high beautiful wide shots of the stage but we'll also have a couple of cameras that are quite close to the stage that will be cross shooting and you'll really be able to get a sense of the geography and the dynamics on stage through that camera setup but what we do is we take a really bespoke approach so no two shows are the same we don't have fixed camera positions we approach everyone differently we really prioritize the cameras for that broadcast performance so they don't have to just squeeze in the back or not try to interrupt what's happening for the audience in the theater we give the space over to the cameras and then we fit the audience around them. So absolutely, we want the audience to be there and we show them coming in and taking their seats to help the cinema audience understand that we are in a the theatre and give that sense of it. We see them at the beginning and then usually at the end. So you will see them during the curtain call. But once we're into the show and into the production itself, we tend to stay with the action and stay on the stage and try not to take people away from the world that we're creating by showing the audience in the house. But hopefully we do a good job of balancing. It's a bit, a bit like a sports match, we always say. It's not the same as being there, but you get a different view. You get a slightly different experience and you get to see things that perhaps you wouldn't otherwise have been able to see if you were watching in the theater. I noticed in Follies that in the entire show, the younger ghosts mm. are on stage at all time, only they're darkened. So you can mm -hmm. only see them if you glance over. And that means that you need to make sure that we in the audience see that too, but you can't focus on it. Mm -hmm. How do yes. you do that? <laughs> We've had a lot of conversations about this, I have to say. And um, I think what we're going to try and do, I don't know if we'll be successful because we've not done it yet, but what we're going to try is to kind of establish that at the beginning so that you get to see and understand this is the ghost of that character. And um, as they come on and each person makes their entrance, their ghost kind of comes with them. And then those cameras that I was sort of talking about at the beginning that are able to cross shoot, what we'll be able to do is have shots where absolutely the focus is the action that's going on with the characters but by shooting across the stage in the background you'll still be able to see and have that sense of the ghosts being there so they should feel 
as present on camera as they would do in the theatre. So they won't be more present, we won't be focusing on them specifically, but they'll be in the back of shots and they'll be there and still have that ghostly presence and sense that they have in the theatre production itself. What are some of the other challenges? I mean, is that the biggest challenge that you've found or is dealing with the, the large set a bigger challenge? I think for Follies, the biggest challenge is probably going to be the music and making sure that that sounds just right in cinemas. All the actors and the performers wear radio mics in the show itself, but we're taking the feeds from all of those microphones. So all 37 actors, all 21 musicians, plus microphones that we place around the theatre to kind of give that sense so that you can hear the audience, you can hear the applause, you can hear the laughter. And our sound team are mixing it live into 5.1. We work with a specialist team and they're absolutely fantastic at their job. But that's a real skill to be able to take that number and amount of information coming in and to live mix it into the best experience for cinema audiences listening in 5.1. So I think that's going to be a challenge for us, but I think we'll hopefully rise to it and make the sound in the cinemas just the same as if, if you were in the Olivier Theatre. You said you have two camera rehearsals prior, right? Yes. Everybody figures out the mix and how the mix is going to go. Just curious... On any of these shows, obviously, you're doing a live broadcast. Has any of them come off absolutely perfectly, or how many mistakes actually happen, and how many do we catch? That's a very good question. And we, I think we would all say that none of them have come off perfectly, but we are probably our, our own worst critics. And I think what we're doing and what we try to do is capture the performance that evening. We're not recording the show we are capturing that performance and each performance is in itself very different and so we all we can do is capture that in and of itself and that does mean that every show is slightly different so what we saw and how the rehearsal worked may be slightly different to how the live broadcast went itself I certainly know um, camera directors, and we work with, again, a, a really great team of camera directors and camera operators, but there's certainly times where they say, oh, I wished I'd, I'd done that shot slightly differently. But all in all, I would say that the audience wouldn't notice most of the things that we might be seeing and might be critical of, because the team that we bring in to make the broadcast happen really are at the top of their game. So from an audience perspective, they absolutely should seem seamless and perfect. And um, even if we think there's things that we perhaps could have done better or would have done differently if we had another opportunity to try. I noticed in, uh, in Seeing Follies that the play had gone back to the original songs, which is not what most of the recent revivals have done. Was that also the original 1971 script? I don't actually know, to be honest with you. I'm unsure about which version of the script that we're actually using, but I suspect it probably is the original version, but I'm not 100% sure, I'm afraid. There's a song called Lucy and Jesse, which has been excised from the most mm. recent American revivals, and now it's back. Did you or your people have any contact with Stonheim himself? 
Sondheim has absolutely been involved in uh, the, the restaging and Dominic Cook, who has directed this production, I know has had lots of conversations and, and spoken with him. Um, Sondheim came over for the opening of the show and was here for the first preview and we hear that he really enjoyed it. So from that perspective, hopefully he's, he's happy with what we've done with the show and this particular production of it and, and happy that we get to be able to broadcast it out across the world as well. I want to ask you about DVDs streaming. Is there any chance in the future beyond this that any of these uh, national theater broadcasts can be seen again outside of theaters? We are really prioritizing the experience in theaters and in cinemas. So we particularly make NT Live to be experienced on the big screen. But we really like that it's got that kind of sense of event. You book a ticket and you watch with other people. So those elements make it quite similar to a live theater experience. It retains some of that energy and that electricity that live theater has. So for us at the moment, there are no plans to make it available online or on DVD. We really do want audiences to, to come together and to watch collectively in, in cinemas and in theatres. 20 years down the road, I mean, Melda Staunton will be a little <laughs> bit old for this. You know, those people might want to see this particular production. Absolutely. And what we've done with a number of our shows that has worked really well well is we re-release them back into cinemas so we did a production of Frankenstein that Danny Boyle directed with Benedict Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller and we first recorded it in 2011 and we re-released it into cinemas four or five times so that audiences are still able to be able to experience that and we find that that works really well and again people kind of Although they know it's the recorded version and it's being re-released, they suspend their disbelief. They imagine that it is a live performance that's happening in front of them. And that's because of the way we've captured it, the way we've recorded it. That's a really important part, of, an inherent part of the broadcast itself has been that it's a live performance. So for us, putting it back into the cinema is something that's really exciting and something that we'll continue to do. So you don't foresee down the road uh, any chance of these streaming becoming DVDs, any of them? I think for us, like I say, the real priority is the cinema experience, and we think that's where we want to, to put our focus. We have recently launched a platform which is available in the UK, and as we started talking about, the National Theatre is funded by the UK government through the Arts Council, and that's available. It's called On Demand is schools and that is available for schools across the UK so about half of secondary schools so half of high schools across the country have signed up and that gives them access to a number of NT Live broadcasts particularly for the educational environment so working both across the drama and English and um, syllabus and curriculum in schools so we are trying to find ways to make it available to audiences who perhaps might not be coming to the cinema but we really do want to prioritize that cinema experience so sometime down the road it's conceivable some of these could wind up in american schools as well depending absolutely depending i mean i think never say never and that would be fantastic for us to be able to make it available more widely than just in uk schools absolutely uh, when you do these live broadcasts i read that sometimes you remove as many as 150 seats yeah, absolutely. I mean, often more than that. Um, 150 is about the normal seats that we would remove. Something like Follies is probably going to be in the region of 300, 350 seats to, to accommodate the cameras. 
And that does really mean that we can put the cameras wherever we want in the house and make sure that we've got the right setup for each individual production. And the audience that come that night know that it's going to be broadcast and it's going to be filmed, so they expect the cameras to be there. And we have a host who not only introduces and welcomes the audience that's watching in the cinema, but also talks to the theatre audience as well, lets them know how things are going to work and what's going to be involved in the broadcast that night. The National Theatre itself... um it began with Olivier way back when. Uh, I understand in 71 it almost collapsed. How did it survive? Oh, I have to say I'm not an expert on the history of the National Theatre, but there have definitely been challenges in our in our history and in our past. And I think we've really pulled through them and flourished and grown and really developed um, a great offering here on the South Bank, but also work that goes out internationally and tours um, as well as NT Live. My perspective, the organization is just continuing to, to really grow and, and thrive. One thing I've noticed, the audience tends to be a lot younger, particularly compared to San Francisco audience and sometimes even to Broadway. What is Britain doing? How come you guys can actually keep the generations going and we're missing something? you have any theories? I think there's probably a number of theories around this. I think certainly for the National Theatre, one of the things that we're most proud of doing in terms of reaching different and younger audiences is our ticket pricing. And at the National Theatre, we have a partnership with Travelex, the global money corporation, to support £15 tickets, so less than $20, for a range of productions across the National Theatre each year. And there's hundreds of thousands of tickets that are priced at that price point. So that is absolutely a good way for us to be able to bring in younger audiences. We also have a scheme that's called Entry Pass, which is aimed specifically at under 26-year-olds and offers them £5 tickets to productions. So uh, maybe what eight, $9 tickets to be able to come and see productions at the National Theatre. And they are really fundamental to what we do. And, and we want to be able to bring in, like I say, new, different younger and diverse audiences that's why we program such a broad range of things as well so we try to make sure that we're appealing to the widest audience possible what are some of the upcoming broadcasts you've got already on tap you said you have six months in advance you have three or four coming up right yeah. So after Follies, we are heading down the Thames slightly to the new theatre called the Bridge Theatre. Yeah, Nicholas Heitner and Nick Starr, who used to run the National Theatre, have set up their own new theatre called the Bridge Theatre that's just by Tower Bridge in London. So we're going to be there for their production of Young Marks, written by Richard Bean, who also wrote One Man, Two Governors that came over to Broadway a few years ago. Following that, we are broadcasting a production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, which is a production from the West End that was done by The Young Vic, which stars Sienna Miller. And then we're back at the bridge for their production of Julius Caesar with Ben Wishaw. And then Macbeth, which I mentioned earlier, later in the spring, which we're back here at the National Theatre broadcasting. Coming up on November 16th on tape delay in the Bay Area, is a revival of Stephen Sondheim's 1971 musical, Follies. For information about the production and Bay Area Theatres and Times, go to ntlive.nationaltheatre.org.uk.